Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Boy, am I excited today. We have a phenomenal guest for you. She's a seasoned mortgage executive with more than 24 years experience, all things mortgage, refining operations, growing sales, developing and heading into new channels, just has a wealth of knowledge, but that doesn't stop there. She's a certified mortgage banker. She's a highly sought after speaker and author. Please help me welcome to the show, Ruth Lee. Hey there, Michael. Thanks so much. Oh, it is great to have you. Thank you so much for joining me. It was great seeing you in Tampa a couple of weeks ago and sharing the stage with you. So welcome to the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Feels like getting back to business, doesn't it? It certainly does. All right. Well, Ruth, you have a wealth of experience, but for our listeners who might not know you, might not be familiar with you, tell us a little bit about your experience, your you know, your background in the mortgage, because you have such a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Share with our listeners a little bit of that background. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tend to go a little bit high level, but I'm going to go back to, it was the early 90s when I started in the industry. I started as an originator on the East Coast in the, Den, in the D.C. metropolitan area. And I was super successful and it was wonderful. Um, so I decided to do what a lot of originators do. I opened my own company in Austin, Texas, and then I sold that in 2005. Um, that was a mortgage bank, and so I got a lot of experience for about eight, nine years doing that. Um, in 2007, I opened a national uh, fulfillment company where we provided a lot of back office fulfillment, closing funding, post-closing for warehouse lenders, hard money lenders. We did it for correspondent investors. Um, I sold that company in 2016 and finalized my earnout in 18. Um, and since then, I've been doing a lot of consulting, really working with executive management teams on their succession planning, putting together divisions, and really helping new managers as well try to figure out how to navigate their success in the industry. And lately, I've been doing a lot of coaching, which is really a fun and mentoring experience because I love to coach. I love to teach. I kind of figure if you, don't, if you can't teach it, you don't really know it. Oh. I love it. And that's one of the things we share in common. We both coach for 2020 Vision for Success Coaching. And I agree with you. It's such a, a incredible experience when you can give back, when you can mentor. And like you said, if you can't teach it, you really don't really know, don't it. know so it. Let's get into some things. You and I had spoken at the conference. Let's first talk about digital mortgages. Mm -hmm. Everyone is saying, okay, COVID hit. It accelerated di digital mortgages. In your opinion, have digital mortgages truly arrived? You know, I think that the beginning of the beginning has truly arrived. You know, I think that there have been some challenges associated with digital mortgages. I mean, we've been doing digital for a while, um, you know, in terms of disclosures and using electronic signatures. But in terms of creating the full arc of a digital experience for the borrower, um, you know, all the way through closing and through signing the note and the deed of trust, that has still lagged a little bit behind. I mean, we see e-notes have really accelerated, but then once the boom started, it kind of stopped a little bit. And the reason is, is because people weren't 
completely okay with having a bifurcated process. You know, right now with eNotes, depending on the jurisdiction, you may or may not be able to do them depending on the product. For example, while FHA has a pilot out, they're not completely um, open and ready for business on the eNotes. So where we see is that people are taking steps and it's like the industry always does. They start with a hybrid and then they get more familiar and then they bring in more product, et cetera. So I would say that we're at the beginning of the beginning. Perfect. I couldn't have said it better. And I love your perspective because you have so much knowledge and expertise in this field. So let's talk, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. The mortgage industry saw incredible volumes last year. They had capacity issues. We're now transitioning. We're done with the refi boom. We're now primarily focused with purchase. We have capacity issues. What are some of the major challenges that lenders are facing right now? You know, I think that it continues to be, you know, as you go through one of these boom cycles, you have a lot of things get spackled with human talent, right? You know, instead of having the automation or instead of having especially adoption rates, they really plummet. Because people are trying to get things done and they're coping with the volume in any way that they can. The way that a lot of companies have to cope because they don't have adoption or training or the ability to have everyone use the same platform is they just get bodies. And then those bodies really degrade data, which causes you know, long-term problems and quality control, et cetera. So I think right now where the industry is is really figuring out they're taking a little bit of a sigh of relief, like, oh, okay, we don't have to work seven days a week anymore. But they're really kind of going back and re-going to that technology roadmap, seeing where they kind of fell through over the last 12 months, and then re-engaging on those initiatives to train and get adoption from everybody in the industry. Oh. That is so true, and I think so many times we've seen so many cycles because mm -hmm. both of you and I, both <laughs> of us have been in the industry 20-plus years. We'll leave it at you that. You said 24. That was right? so nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> we, we experience those cycles, and you're right. People just throw human spackle at mm -hmm. it instead of really looking. And then the worst part now is people are starting to get a little fearful then. Are there going to start being some job cuts? Are people going to start making, you know, I mean, last year in the heyday, Underwriters were making 150 and they're getting a 50K signing bonus yep. and people were frustrated and lenders can't sustain that because the cost to originate is just going to be way too high this year with volumes down. That's absolutely. The what case. are some of the, what are some of the things from a, you know, technology perspective that lenders can be doing? And then I definitely want to ask you when we talk about that, also talk about why do lenders struggle with some technology adoption? So, you know, First, let's talk about why they struggle, because I think that, you know, we can kind of back into the other side. You know, one of the reasons that they struggle is because we are in an industry where we would like to create one product, but we are all individuals. And so, you know, as you are a company, you want to offer your loan originators the ability to build their own business. And that tends to be a huge selling point. However, when you are trying to integrate an entire set of small businesses into one technology, you really have to spend the time to make sure that it's user-friendly, 
that it's easy to use, and that it accomplishes what you're hoping that it will accomplish, and that it doesn't make, make work. And that's kind of one of the reasons that I think in our industry we see, you know, people are like, I don't want to do double data entry. I don't want to have a CRM and another system and here, I want this to be easy for me. And so one of the advents that we've seen recently over the last five years is the advent of the point of sale system. And a lot of these have really been able to draw the borrower into some of the technology so that they're providing their own data entry. They're providing their own information. And it makes it easier for the loan officer and their team not only to manage and become a user and a super user, but also to bring their clients along with them without it feeling an onerous or a taxing type of a thing. Does that make sense? It certainly does. And you're so right about it pulls that borrower in and lets them use some of that technology. And it actually lightens the load of the loan officer when done right. But you asked a quite great question, which is, what are some of the hangups? And some of the hangups are the borrower gets a vote too. If they don't want to use it, they're not going to use it. And so I think in the beginning, like when the, the Rona originally exploded and everybody was talking about how, well, we'll just sign it in your front yard and we'll sign it from Virginia and all of the rest of it. There was some adoption, but some borrowers, they did not want that. They didn't trust it. They weren't comfortable with something that they felt was rushed through. They really wanted or they yearned for a personal touch, especially when it's something so darn important as your house. You know, they weren't really willing to be a guinea pig or a pilot on some technology. They wanted to know that this was well-plowed field instead of, you know, we're just going to figure it out and wing it and see what happens as we go. And that was kind of one of the messages that I think, unfortunately, a lot of borrowers received was, we'll get it, we'll, we'll, we'll work it out for you. When in reality, they were like, let's slow down. Why don't you just have that notary come to my house? And we'll just do it the old-fashioned way, and then we know it got done right. Exactly, and it's such a big decision for borrowers. They, Yes, they want speed, they want efficiency, but if you can't do it right, like you said, they don't want to be the guinea pig for a lot of these things. All right, let's talk about another area that you're very passionate about. Let's give the industry an update and your view on MSRs Ooh. and what's the status and Let's talk about it and let's explain to the audience a little bit about what MSRs are and roll up your sleeves and give us the goods. So, you know, right before the right before the Rona was probably one of the biggest quarters of MSR activity that we'd ever seen. And what mortgage servicing rights are, and that is a strip of income that the servicer, the person who collects or the company that collects the payment, they get. They get the strip of the income. It's usually between 25 and 44 basis points, depending on the product. And, you know, the investors, they get whatever is left. But that's what that premium does for them is it allows them to host all of the client services, all of the, you know, ability to collect the payments and then to manage all of the investor reporting. And so, Right after when the Rona happened and, in, and interest rates plummeted, one of the things is is that the prepayments on your your refinance and all of the portfolios just went through the roof, which meant that all of the mortgage servicing rights that had been acquired in that previous year, their value plummeted. 
it's an inverse proportion. When rates go down, prepayments and refinances go up and the value on those servicing rights goes away because they bought the right to service Michael Hammond's loan. And if you refinance and take it to somebody else, they lose that money. There's no principal, there's no nothing that they get. And so where we think, you know, I mean, where the industry is obviously going to go is it's an inverse proportion. When rates go up, the value of the portfolios improve and people want to maintain the servicing rights. They get not only that servicing strip, but they also get the float on escrow payments. They get you know, late payment fees and any of the other ancillary fees. The disadvantage that they have is that they also have to collect. So they get, they get involved in all the loss mitigation. So what we're gonna see is, is that the high value you know, the lower LTV, the higher FICO score, refinances for people who are, I mean, I would never refinance my loan. I got my loan, it's a two and a quarter. When am I gonna refinance that? And why would I do it? <laughs> so my servicer looks at me, I'm like their money client, right? I'm a star for them. And they can anticipate that I'm gonna be with them until I sell this house. And so that's gonna be my motivation for that runoff from their portfolio is moving rather than some low interest rate. Cause I don't know that interest rates are gonna drop by another point. Exactly, great point, Ruth. Like I said, you're always a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> Talk a little bit about you know, in the mortgage industry right now, we're in this purchase market. One of the things I keep hearing in the industry is how important customer loyalty and driving and building customer experience. Talk to me a little bit about that and let me know some ways you think the industry is actually rolling that out and adopting those principles. Well, you know, and I think it's it's one of the, I just actually gave a class right before I came on to your show that talked about customer loyalty. And one of the things that I think was really interesting because I read this article, which was all about the new science of customer emotions. And it talks about, you know, one of the things in building customer loyalty is people expect to be satisfied. They expect a satisfactory experience. And so, you know, it, it, it's really easy to derail a client through an unsatisfactory experience. But we as originators and within the business, we also have to understand the emotional connection that we are building with these people so that we have a lifetime of loans coming from this borrower and their family as their family changes over time. And what I mean by those emotional connectors are their feelings of success, their feelings of satisfaction, um, whether or not they feel included or belong, those are all things that you build when you are real, you are authentic with your clients, when you, you're a person. You're not just somebody who's on the phone with a number, you're a person who's explaining to them a very complicated financial exchange and really helping them through that process. You're problem solving with them. You're not blaming, you're not negative, you're positive. Those are the ways that you build customer loyalty. Oh, I love that. And I think for so long, the mortgage industry has been very transaction focused instead of relationship yes. focused. Let me get one file in, let me get one file out, one file in, one file out instead of, hey, I'm talking to Ruth Lee and this is what's going on with Ruth and this is her situation. So I love those tips and I think it's so critical because, you know, there's a lot of statistics out there 
The average borrower is going to get seven to 11 loans over the mm -hmm. course of their lifetime. And currently, what, 85% don't go back to their first lender? Yeah, it's I mean, tragic. That's appalling. It's tragic. And why is it? It's because you can't just send somebody an email and expose, expect that they're going to respond. You have to know why you're sending them that email. You have to be a part of who they are within their regular life. I love that originators are using Facebook because it exposes who they are as people, who their families are, that they're a part of the community, that they're not just some originator, some broker. They're Ruth, they're Michael, they're Fred, whoever, but they're a person. And that's the key to longevity and that's the key to customer loyalty. Oh, that is great stuff. So let's talk coaching a little yeah. bit. We're both very passionate about it. Tell me a little bit about some of the areas that you coach, that you consult in. You have such great wisdom and knowledge. I want to make sure people understand where you can really help them the most. I really appreciate that. You know, where my passion is right now is I've been really spending a lot of time with young managers who are, you know, I think one of the things in the industry, it's kind of everybody, you take a great producer and you turn them into a manager. And the reality is, is that the skill set of a great producer is not the skill set of a great manager. And so in really helping people understand as you're building a team and you're becoming a manager and you're scaling your operations because you've been successful at marketing, you've been successful at building a client base, is really about how do you delegate appropriately? How do you hold a good meeting? How do you have hard conversations with your employees without breaking their spirit? How do you do those things that it's not just intuitive to do? How do you know how to hire somebody? How do you put together a department or a division? And then, you know, as you move on through your career, I like to help coach people through that arc and where they're going in that next step into the C-suite and some of the challenges that they have there. But I also coach people on how to close loans. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a process geek and I always have been. So, you know, I just had a four-hour session with somebody the other day where they couldn't figure out why they couldn't get their process and their timeline right. And I just sat with them and we hammered it out. I mean, right there in the weeds. That's what, that's what I like to do. Well, and I see that passion and that <laughs> energy come through as you're discussing it. I mean, I can feel it through you know, the internet of you just saying, hey, I love doing I this. And I think that's what makes good coaches, people that are passionate about helping other people, sharing our knowledge and our experience. It's great that we've been in it 20 plus years, but I think we also have a responsibility to give back. Yeah. How do we bring that next generation of leaders along? How do we bring in that next group of people that is going to radically transform the mortgage industry? I mean, we have this new age of you know, 20, 30 somethings that they grew up on computers, they grew up mm -hmm. on phones, technology is intuitive, how they interact with people. And so I think both of us, as we talk, it's important that we give back and bring that next group of you know, those mortgage executives along. I also wanna say it's important for us not to judge them 
Because I think that quite often people who I got a little gray in my hair, you got a little spice up there on yours. And we, <laughs> we forget, right? We forget that first time that we walked into a boardroom and how anxious and, you know, how difficult that was. And we just didn't have like some manual where we we're like, got it, nailed it. We had to go through those experiences. And quite often we marginalize the younger generations and where they are. They have the same values as us. They care and love their children. They want to be successful in the same way. They're just at a different spot. And we have to be able to reach down and instead of judging them, look at them and say, all right, it's our time. Let's go through this together. I once was right where you sat. So let me tell you a little bit about how to get ahead with if you just want to listen. And if you don't want to listen, you can figure it out in 20 years. It'll it'll happen regardless. Oh, I love that. And, and as soon as you said that, there's the flashbacks of the first time you're invited into the yeah. boardroom. And, you know, your palms are sweaty, your knees are kind of shaking, and you're just trying to figure out, how do I just not say something I stupid? I know. Right? I mean, <laughs> not what kind of answers do I have? Am I prepared and everything? Just, Please let me not say something stupid mm -hmm. and kind of just get through this first session. Oh, Ruth, I love that. As we're winding down, and you and I could talk I hours know. on hours, and you are welcome back anytime. You share so many great insights. Where do you see the mortgage industry going the second half of the year? What, what should originators, originators be on the lookout for, for? What are lenders, where do they need to be focusing their attention as we wind down Hard to believe 2021. Well, I think that there's a couple of areas. You know, I don't think that the refi boom, quote unquote, is completely over. I think that a lot of people who were mobile are not being mobile because the housing inventories are so slim. And so they're really looking at some of the equity in their house. Um, so that offers additional opportunities for refinancing of cash outs. Um, you know, because I think that some people, as they were going through, you know, in the Rona, everybody was saving. They weren't really looking at, you know, some of those larger investments. So I think that that's going to be there. We're going to see a lot of HELOC activity. Um, on the other side, you know, from originators, is the housing market continues to to open and become, you know, more available. I live in Denver. There's nothing for miles. I mean, you can't find a single house. And, you know, so it's, it's definitely difficult. But I think that one of the most important investments is looking at your realtors and your referral and aggregator partners and really building that book of business. And then, you know, in general, I think we're going to see a lot of MSRs towards the end of the year, more trades as we're watching people consolidate. Ruth, so many great tips, insights for people that want to get a hold of you, for people who want to tap into this great knowledge base. What is the best way for them to get a hold of you? So you can go to my website. It's Get Big Think. Um, the name of my company is Big Think um, because I like to think that we, you know, I'll, all we really need to solve a problem is to have a big think on it. Um, and so if you go there, you can find me. But, you know, I'm available on LinkedIn and on Facebook as Ruth Lee, CMB. Outstanding, Ruth. Thank you so much for joining this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Thank you, Michael.